Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. John Coffey, you have been condemned to die in the electric chair by a jury of your peers, sentence imposed by a judge in good standing in this state. Questions? Do you leave the light on after bedtime? I know violent men. I deal with them day in and day out. There doesn't seem to be any real violence in him. Until he kills a couple of little girls. John Coffey is a murderer. I don't think he did it at all. Take my hand, both. You see for yourself. You're talking about a miracle. I do not see God putting a, a gift like that in the hands of a man who would kill a child. This is the story of a miracle. What happened here where I work. On the Green Mile. It, uh, it's sad. It's a sad movie. It is sad. There you go. <laughs> we found common ground. I really like this film. I know where really? you're going with huh. this. You're going to be, you know, you're going to come in with your I'm too cool to, to like the Green Mile uh, attitude. Uh, but, you know, this is one of those ones that uh, breaks people down uh, emotionally, hits them at the heart. And um, if Frank Darabont was put on this war, on this earth to give us you know, good adaptations of Stephen King novels. That's fine. There's far worse things he could be doing with with himself, you know, shooting up in the park or whatever. That would not be as, you know, productive as making the so, Green Mile. What uh, what other ones does he have other than uh, Shawshank? Is there one more the that came mist. after? The Mist. Oh, that was good. I like that one. There you go. The Green Mile. Uh, so I've seen this exactly twice my life uh once opening weekend theatrically which was a miserable uh experience and uh then a, a you know substantially more pleasant one watching this at at home on the uh the apple tv 
Uh, and so going back to the uh, really bad experience I had, it was a brand new theater. Like the theater opened, uh, I guess, for the Christmas season, 1999. And uh, I just remember really wishing that they had far more ample legroom. And this brand new theater with stadium seating at the time, because uh, this is a, a lengthy movie, and it's one that you know is going to be lengthy uh, going into it. It's sort of an old-fashioned... Epic's not the word. Well, I mean, what is this? It's a it's a substantial meal. Um, it's sort of it's like for. an absor- It's a it's meant to be an absorbing uh, drama. It's not it's yes. not a movie. You just kind of you know in the old days in the 1940s, people just walked into uh, movies like halfway through, and mm-hmm. then they would just watch <laughs> it until it looped back to the beginning, and then that they would say, "Oh, hey, this is where I came in," and that's where that. <laughs> saying I, came from like <laughs> the green mile is not that movie yeah i i, I would really not enjoy that um to <laughs> to see you know uh, avoiding spoilers for now i guess but uh if, if you know what the the green mile itself is uh it's probably a hard film to spoil as far as there's there's an ultimate destination that you're gonna get to and i don't know if i'd be that interested in looping back around to the beginning of this with uh with that uh, particular, those particular images in my mind, you know. Okay, let, I'll just go ahead and be the the fuddy duddy, I guess. Um, yeah, this is not a film that stuck with me, even with the the, the bad, uh, you know, the, the level of comfort that I remembered or discomfort. Uh, and upon rewatch, I think part of it is that there's nothing I find inherently wrong with this movie. It, it just feels a little too perfectly packaged. In some way, it, it just like we, as you you mentioned, Frank, Darabont's doing uh, not only Stephen King but returning to prison with uh, Shawshank Redemption and now Green Mile. Uh, Tom Hanks as your sort of uh, everyman, uh, nice, responsible, decent man, uh, and I don't know. There's nothing. I'm trying to think if there's like a performance or a scene or something that stands out that makes any of this feel surprising in the moment as you're watching it. And I'm really struggling that to think of any particular curveballs. It just feels like they did all the appropriate homework. They came very prepared. Uh, but I have a hard time finding too much passion for this particular movie. What, what about yourself? I, f- I see where you're going, like, it, and you're not incorrect. You know, anyone who says they love this movie because, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen next or, or they're just show shocked uh, by, by, you know, any of the any of the twists in the story or whatever. Uh, you know, they're lying. Um, yeah, it's fairly predictable. It, it follows a, a pretty straightforward line. Um, there's no gigantic revelations where you find out that uh, John Coffey, played by Michael Clark Duncan here, is, you know, truly that he's the deranged, you know, uh, Hannibal Lecter type uh, captive prisoner. He's been pulling the strings the whole time with Sam Rockwell uh, right. and and Percy and all that. Um, not, a, not a curveball I want, by the way. That's... Yeah. And, and, and when you have like a three hour long, when you have a three hour plus movie, normally that's the case. Normally there there's so much going on. There's so much much up and down and 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 you feel one way about this character and then later you feel differently and the green mile is is the opposite of that it's very straightforward it's more straightforward i think than the shawshank 
Redemption mm-hmm. because yes. in the Shawshank Redemption, you have the warden character who, you know, there are a lot of shades of, of his decision-making and everything. Um, we really don't get that here either. We, I mean, the, the, the uh, James Cromwell authority figure is largely played as a nice guy. Uh, the the uh, smarmy uh, Percy, as we brought him up, you know, who, who's there because he's like the governor's nephew or whatever. Uh, we know exactly what to think about him, when, you know, the minute we see him. And, oh, that's fine. All of that is just fine. We don't need a lot of big twists and everything for this to be a satisfying film. I would compare it to uh, the, the Great Escape. It, it's similar to that. It, you, you're absorbed by the characters. You're absorbed by what they mean to each other. Uh, you're absorbed by these bigger ideas that they're discussing in regards to the, the, the drudgery of of uh, of our lives and how and how <laughs> absolutely long they they can they can really be when when you look at it i, I mean we, we the cliche is that life is short uh but I, i'm asking i'm going to end up quoting you know magnolia uh, mm-hmm. that we're going to talk yep. about soon is that <laughs> you know life is actually really really long and and that's you know the message of 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 this whole thing and uh, i i find a lot to a lot to like about it is it a bit pat? Is it a bit, you know, been there, done that? Sure, but I can't, I can't deny I really, uh, on this rewatch, I really noticed how, how much Michael Clark Duncan uh, was giving uh, to, to the movie, uh, specifically in that scene near the end where, where, he, where him and, and, and Hanks talk and, and Hanks, uh, you know... Uh, accepts that one day he's going to have to answer for, for, for killing mm. John Coffey. I have to ask you something very important now. I know what you're going to say. You don't have to say it. No, I do. I do have to say it. Tell me what you want me to do. You want me to take you out of here? Just let you run away? See how far you could get? Why would you do such a foolish thing? On the day of my judgment... When I stand before God and he asks me why did I, did I kill one of his true miracles, what am I going to say? That it was my job. It's my job. You tell God the Father it was a kindness you done. I guess I'm just a shit. Ben, because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I you felt go. like <laughs> I felt like every time Sam Rockwell showed up, it was like a a cool breeze came in. Where it's like, okay, let's just let's let's <laughs> liven up the proceedings just a little bit and just have someone who I mean, his the very nature of his character is just to create chaos uh, at, at every turn. And it's it's welcome, and I I'll pick out someone that I've always kind of liked. I'm and I'm kind of surprised you've not mentioned him before because it he falls into that almost Chris Klein like camp. Uh, Barry Pepper, I always like when I see him on screen, and I think normally he's uh, playing maybe a little like Saving Private Ryan, for instance, right? He's almost like. Uh, uh, like a, a zany character, if you can say that, in his particular role, where he's, he's the, the super sniper uh, citing uh, uh, biblical passages as he, he shoots you know men left and right. It's like a uh, 
that, that sequence in Inglorious Bastards where they're they're the the film within the film celebrating this uh, Nazi sniper. Uh, it, it's almost played to that effect in Saving Private Ryan. So just seeing him play a a normal decent guy, uh, I, I really liked him here. I mean, he's he's a uh, sidekick of sorts to uh, to Tom Hanks, just just one of the the guys, just one of the men coming to his job. Uh, but there, there are elements, I guess, of the pace that while, you know, it doesn't make it easily rewatchable, and I'm even looking at some of the reviews, and even the positive ones, they almost all mention the three-hour <laughs> runtime, which kind of surprised me. Even the ones being positive, they it's almost like they have to couch it in that, like, yes, yes, we know it's long. Okay, stick with it. Uh, some of that length, though, contributes to giving uh, these supporting players... Um, a, a lived-in existence within the film, which I which I do like and appreciate. Um, but yeah, I came out of this time thinking like, okay, yeah, that was that was good. I, I I it feels like a Sunday or Saturday afternoon movie just to to watch. And I think when you remove the trappings of this in 1999 being like a, a big Oscar contender, which it did go on to be nominated for Best Picture, um, Michael Clark Duncan, who you mentioned, did get a nomination when you remove those elements, I think I appreciated it far more. It's just sort of an old fashioned, uh, adult drama. Um, but I don't think it's going to be something that I probably ever revisit again. And so I'm, I'm trying to keep this like from sounding too negative. Uh, but it was just down, it's just down the middle kind of, uh, it, it was nice. Is that, that sounds insulting. Say that, that was nice. That was a, a nice movie. Nice time. I think you're just finally realizing that, you know, on this podcast, you, you, you know, you, you've already become the guy who hates Sleepy Hollow, uh, <laughs> the guy who hates American Beauty. Uh, you don't want to be, mm. you know, you don't want to, you're trying to, to avoid, you know, Mark Zuckerberg syndrome and just, you know, dwindling <laughs> amount of friends. Uh, well, <laughs> that may be a bit of a reach. And I think only you would say you're the guy that hates Sleepy Hollow. American Beauty, maybe that's... Come uh, on, poor form. Um, People love you. Sleepy have Hollow. A, you have an unnatural uh, passion for Sleepy Hollow. I, I I think that most people would agree with me there, even if they like the film. But uh, certainly, yes, I am the one that uh, is these pro claim, these Tarzan. claims are in dispute. These claims are in dispute. Um, pro Tarzan, anti so, Best yeah. Picture winner, American Beauty, for sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll stand by that. But I, well, I mean, you know, even if you because I didn't know coming in this if this would be something you would be favorable towards or not um so yeah while i might raise an eyebrow if someone said this is like their favorite movie of all time uh i, I don't think it's shocking by any means to see that this got mostly positive reviews and would be uh, a crowd pleaser of sorts if you can call it that i mean it's one that's it's a very tragic story but you know it's it's something that i think for the most part um more people than not would uh would like this movie if they you know sit down to watch it I was surprised that it was still in the in the IMDb top, like, like it was like number twenty five when I or something when I checked, what? and not that that's a good like gauge to go off of or anything. I think Joker's in the top fifty now. So yes. yeah, I know. I, so I'm not I'm not saying it's like I'm not saying it's like like you know, uh, it, it's a really it's a shitty it's a very shitty list of of movies in many regards. Mm. But I, I specifically speaking about Green Mile. I'm surprised that that audience is still holding it up in high regard to this day. Um, Do you hear it? Get you would think a lot of all? people would toss. You would think a lot of people would toss it off as a cheesy mm. Oscar contender by now. 
but for whatever reason they haven't. I, I don't feel like it, you know, comes up in uh, conversation in regards to like other movies, though. I, I don't think it's any sort of uh, touchstone, and it's it's kind of a, you know just getting a little bit broader to this this project that we've been doing for years now. Uh, it's kind of an an outlier in what I think people think of the year 1999 at the movies and that this one it doesn't really feel of that particular year or this particular time period like this could have uh, come out uh, to me in the, the early 90s late 80s you know 70s like it, it is it does have that timeless nature to it that uh, uh, I will say here's a here's a compliment to it you know it certainly doesn't feel like uh, run Lola run or something of mm-hmm. that nature, uh, which I do appreciate. But I do think the uh, I think it's somewhat of a disservice to the film, uh, not taking away from his his work or his efforts here, that it is in some regards like uh, a, a spiritual uh, successor slash you know quasi sequel to Shawshank Redemption in I guess uh, movie lover's eyes because you do have the same director and Shawshank. I believe for the longest time was like, wasn't it like one of the top five or if not number one in like IMDb as far as like, this is the greatest <laughs> film of all our, time. Our new gauge that we're just you know, going to bring up every time. We <laughs> well, it, it, because it's a, uh, you know, I think among, you know, cinephile circles, it's, you know, the battles mostly Citizen Kane and then I guess Vertigo, uh, whenever they do, was that every, every 10 years, the, the, the list, uh, I think sight and sound, uh, Vertigo maybe topped it once or twice. But among the populace, uh, once Shawshank Redemption came along, that was that seemed to be like the uh, the everyman's uh, greatest achievement in film. And that one, I have to admit, I do understand more the Green Mile. I think the Shawshank Redemption overall is far more satisfying as a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I would say Sha- I think Shawshank Redemption is a better film, and I think in some regards this movie kind of suffers uh, from being compared to Shawshank so much mm-hmm. and, and being kind of like sort of like a like a like a ugly step uh sister or whatever to to uh to shawshank redemption um but i i i I really respond well to it uh we should mention michael jeter as well i think his performance is really great he's an actor who i think was really undervalued uh in his day and and maybe people feel more fondly towards him now have you ever seen uh the fisher king denniston yeah i really like that one uh yeah that's one I, I strangely watched a lot as a uh, as a teenager, and I, I don't really know why, but I just I like that. You know, uh, Gilliam for me is very hit or miss. And I really one... I really love Jeter in that film too. Mm-hmm. This and and the Green Mile, that and the Green Mile are are like definitely his best, and and so yeah, people should seek it out if just for that. Uh, I think it's tough because I think 1999 is a really, really strong year. And I don't know if this is like in a, in a similar case to like the insider uh, for me, which was also nominated for best picture. I, I kind of as good as, as this movie is, as well as I respond to it, I don't, I don't know if I would place it, uh, you know, in the, in the top of this year's films either, but um, that doesn't mean that doesn't, that's, that's, we shouldn't, you know, say, oh, hey, there were so many great movies in 1999. Then, you know, this one really, you know, suffers in comparison to uh, the best. Um, you know, we should still acknowledge that, you know, in any other year, this would definitely be like a top five movie for me. Well, I mean, the Academy got it, Ben. You know, they, they were there, there you go. in support. <laughs> I heard the Academy Award nominations came out and my, my immediate reaction was I had no idea they were even going to bother to have an Academy Awards this year. Oh, this year? Yeah, I mean, did we, they yeah, come there's... out? Maybe, it, maybe it was her. I don't know. Maybe it was something else that they were talking about. 
I don't think so. You may be thinking of the uh, you know the much more highly regarded Golden Globes or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah, you're <laughs> probably <there>. right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I only bring it up just because um, I, I think that probably contributes to it being uh, lost in the shuffle to some regard. Because uh, it is, I mean, if you just look at the cast list, I mean, this is the, it is stacked. I, I do kind of have some issues with uh, Doug Hutchinson. Hutchison, um, and I, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, he's playing, like, of course, the most like unlikable character in the film, but he is so he is so so one note throughout. You, you know, you I toss was, off, you toss off this like name Doug Hutchinson, like it is just like the great thespian. Uh, you know, Doug Hutchinson. I uh, no one knows who the, that. He's the playing opposite. Percy, right? He's playing Percy, <laughs> correct? It is actually the opposite. Uh, ben, I was I was being kind of insulting that this guy has such a prominent role when you know you have to scroll further down to get to Patricia Clarkson or Harry Dean Stanton. So yeah, the, well, the fact Patricia that Clarkson wasn't who she was, you know, at this point when she's when you think still about it. better than this guy. I don't <laughs> care what she was doing <laughs> pre nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I, I always like seeing her. Um, I don't know Stephen King. To me, he's really good at characterization but maybe it's only with um good guys maybe it's only with like the the, the ones that have the capacity to be to be earnest uh with with other characters in his works i, I don't know if you have you ever had a problem with his just sort of out and out villains in these stories because you mentioned well, the, the warden in shawshank redemption well the thing is i've never read the the, the novella that shawshank redemption is based off of, and i've never read the green mile i've read a lot more of his genre stuff like dolores claiborne hmm. um i've never read the stand but i've read enough about it uh randall flag is a memorable villain there uh being played by uh what's his name bill skarsgård in the in the, the remake of that that that's coming out um, God, he's just he's just making his business and being uh, in King stuff. Oh, now, I know. I, the minute the minute I th- I saw that they cast him in, in the remake of The Stand, I was like, okay, that's something I don't have to watch because that's yeah, obviously Jesus. just like the laziest casting uh, you, mm-hmm. you can think of. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think Stephen King, he's great at finding uh, great premises and great ideas for stories. But in the execution, usually the first act is the best is the best part of a Stephen King novel, and mm-hmm. then it kind of falls apart. Some of the movies kind of like improve on those things, uh, like The Shining, um, and, and, and there are a few others. Uh, but you know, that's always been my. I mean, you know, he, he he's both overrated and un- underrated in that regard. How do you think the Green Mile would play? Uh, I mean, I, I guess we can't say now because of COVID, but 2019 if it had to come out Christmas time. <laughs> to to crickets chirping. I mean, you know, to be honest <laughs> with you, I'm sorry. I'm trying not. To, I'm trying to be positive, but boy, <laughs> that's that's the truth. <laughs> what this is kind of interesting. So on the a side question there, what when is the last year that something like the Green Mile? could have come out and been, you know, the success that was in 1999 at three hours long with all of the critics and their positive reviews warning you ahead of time that this is a lengthy sit. Probably like 2015 or so, I would oh, say. That's surprisingly more positive than I expected. From I think you, it would so. have done, I think it would have done okay up against Green Book, but if there would have been the obvious, you know, <laughs> Green 
uh, title comparisons, and that would have hurt it. So, <laughs> but All I mean, right, it's about. I mean, this is about, Green Mile is about as good as Green Book, in my opinion, and and you know, it's <sighs> it's they're both going for the same kind of audience. Yeah, Green Book's a little you know a little snappier, a little more comedy as well. Um, I I don't I don't know. Um, I I just I, you know the the Tom Hanks thing that came out earlier this year, which of course I did not watch, was like bought up by Apple to be an Apple TV Plus. I, I was for, I thought for sure it was about a about a, a driver of a Greyhound bus, and uh, you know, were you disappointed or no that it was I, out of I, Well, if I had seen it, maybe, but uh, no. So. Well, I tried to get you to watch Ted Lasso, and you uh, shot me down on that, um, and that's that's your loss, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, this is one of those that I was a little bit concerned about uh, before I watched it, and then I remained concerned because it's hard to bring much out of my response being that was nice. I'll never watch it again. And that's that's my pretty response much where I stand is with it. that that was nice. You know, in another five years or so, maybe I'll watch it again. So not that much different than yours. <laughs> So we're really just sticking with the positive and negative reviews for this, where they're not really that far off. <laughs> just a flick of the wrist to the left or right there. I'll give high praise for Darabont, and Darabont's career, you know, went downhill with with that with getting screwed over on The Walking Dead, and, and I think that you know really sucks. And and you know, I mean, that's a lot of money being left on the table there. So I understand. Didn't he file? Like he didn't get yeah he didn't that? get any he didn't get any oh. of it like he oh. created the series and he didn't really get any of that residual money because they they fired <sighs> him after the first that season be... that was his whole that was his whole lawsuit was that saying that his you know work on that first season led to all the profitability and everything and that he really did never got what you know was owed to him so that would be hard to get over for sure but uh, <laughs> we'll always have the mist uh, box office failure the mist <laughs> that. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, the Majestic, did you like that one? Yeah, I like that one. That one, okay. I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about, you know, uh, House of Un-American Activities and what would happen if they were to bring those back. Um, and I was thinking about how that movie kind of writes itself into a corner because it creates a pretty realistic, believable scenario uh, mm. with the backdrop of the of the HUAC uh, committees. But then they have to kind of... Um, they have to have him give a name in order for him to get to get off. Uh, <laughs> but then, mm-hmm. if he gives a name, then he's a, then he's kind of a kind of a bad person. Uh, so I kind of gave away the ending of the majestic. There, sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, we were we were yeah. polite about the Green Mile, uh, even though it's kind of absurd to to try to remain spoil free about it. Um, all right, you know that, that'll lead us if we're if we're wrapping up here. That kind of leads us into our next episode. On that note. Oh, yeah. They've been waiting for this one, I think. So, <laughs> a true, a, a double, a, a uh, thematically fine, but probably uh, probably a not-so-fine uh, sit for, for Ben and myself. We have uh, Cradle Will Rock uh, from Tim Robbins, uh, which has, uh, you know, all manner of uh, the Red Scare, I guess, in the uh, Great Depression and then uh, Topsy Turvy, which has been in the 99 from 99 offices, <laughs> many a text message uh, of myself imploring you uh, for us just to skip it. And uh, you denied uh, those efforts, so we will actually be producing an episode where it will share, uh, I guess, half of a podcast with uh, Mr. Robbins and what he put together in 1999. 
Well, I think both these films, you know, are worth discussing in terms of 1999. I think it would be hard to do a a, 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 a full podcast without doing both of them because, in the in the sense that Cradle Rock, w- w- you know, was from uh, uh, a really big director in the 90s, Tim Robbins, uh, who, who didn't have much of a career after that as a director, and uh, Topsy Turvy in the sense that it was nominated for four Oscars and ended up winning two. So, you know, we got to do what you, you got to do. <laughs> you make fun of the Academy. Uh, we are strangely beholden to them in our uh, our, our uh, feature uh, billing that we have here. Uh, we, we, uh, what is that damn documentary that you made us do that I despised? Um, I didn't make, Olympic you know, one. very few. You, you say these things. Mm-hmm, when you sent I out do. the list... The only, mm-hmm. I believe my only addition was, was Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm talking about the movie with Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> and Michelle Williams, not, you know. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99.